opportunities where they can use their resources uh, for God's kingdom, for his, his work, all right? So, so that would be the asset. They're able to see the resources. On the flip side, the, the negative, the liability is uh, that they could become a person that hoards resources for themselves. They just, they accumulate, and instead of using them and it, them being a conduit for God to work through, they hang on to those resources for themselves. So the effective youth, use of this spiritual gift, it requires a person to have a godly fear of the Lord. Understanding that, that we are there to glorify God and to submit to his will and his way. Uh, one way of showing that we have the fear of the Lord is our giving. Go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14. In Deuteronomy 14, the tithes and offerings were used to show the fear of the Lord. You know, when uh, in Habakkuk, when it says, will a man rob God? What is that revealing? They have no fear of the Lord because they are robbing God. In Deuteronomy, in verse number 14, or chapter 14, look at verse 22. He says, thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed. Now notice that all, not part, all, tithe on all. That is not the, the net, that is the gross, okay? So, so with that, uh, it's not what your paycheck said. It was before the taxes. Uh, it was before a BAQ if you're military, all right, so if you're on base and part of your salary is your BAQ, they might not have paid you that, but that is still your benefit. So that housing then is included because it is part of your, your pay. If they just wrote you the check and you had to pay all those bills yourself, it, you would see that on that W-2. But it is still part of that. Uh, so, thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, of thine oil, of the firstlings of thy herds and of thy flocks, that thou mayest learn what? To fear the Lord thy God always. So the giving was, was revealing the reality of the fear of the Lord. The not giving was revealing that there wasn't fear of the Lord. So part of that with the gift of those that have uh, the gift of giving, uh, they've got to make sure that they fear the Lord so they use those assets uh, the way that God had intended them uh, to be used. Uh, so number one, they're able to see resources. Number two, uh, they invest self with the gift. They invest their self with the gift. They, as a, as a person that has the gift of giving, they're not just a person that sits back and writes a check. The person that has the gift of giving also utilizes their life. They give their life as well. And 
with that, they're vested. You know, it is not normally the giver that leaves the church first. As in, when there is a misunderstanding or an offense that comes. You know why? Because they're vested. They have given of themselves. They have, have given of themselves. They have given of their resources. And, and there are a lot of people that give and are very generous, and that might, be, might not be their main spiritual gift. But giving uh, helps keep somebody uh, vested. Uh, and so uh, this, this person that, is, that has the gift of giving, uh, they, are, they, they give of themselves. 2 Corinthians 8, 5. And this they did, not as we hope, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So here he is talking about the, uh, the, uh, uh, the believers who are giving, the people of Macedonia that were giving selflessly in this offering for the, uh, the, the uh, believers in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers. And they were taking up that offering. Uh, but these people were, were giving not just of their resources, but they gave of themselves as well. So they invest themselves with the gift. Uh, on the other side, with the liability, they can use their gift to control people. People with substance, people that have a gift to give, if they're not careful, they can use that as a tool to get their way. Now, that's, that's manipulative. But with that, we have to realize, who is our gift to? It ha it, it's to God. Whether therefore you eat, drink, whatsoever you do. So, in our, in our life, even in our giving, we've got to make sure that there's not strings attached. Because if it's really for the Lord, then if they don't use it just the way that you would want them to use it, you weren't giving to them anyway. You were giving to the Lord. Right? Right? If we're not careful, what happens is it becomes a, a tool to cause people to do exactly what you want them to do. Now, I'm not saying if uh, you were going to give something to somebody and they are an addict that you wouldn't back off and say, okay, now I'm not going to give this cash to somebody because I don't want them to use that for an addiction or uh, to buy drugs or alcohol. Uh, but outside that type of a scenario, we've got to be careful that we're not giving to try to control people. And here, uh, that is, that is a uh, liability. If they do not believe the person has the capacity to use the gift wisely, sometimes they will give it somewhere else. Now, you say, well, is, isn't that just wise? Well, it depends. If the Lord told you to give to somebody... then it really doesn't matter how they're going to use it. Because I'm, just, I'm supposed to follow the Lord. So 
Like, and like I said, I'm not talking about addictions. I'm not talking about somebody that's going to take it and go right, run right to the casino or run right to the uh, drug dealer on the corner. I'm just, I'm just talking about if God impresses somebody to be a giver, they got to be careful that they don't start using that uh, to, uh, to control people. Uh, ministries get controlled and manipulated oftentimes by people that have big gifts. Now, we don't, we don't have that problem. We don't have big gifts. Uh, uh, no, we, we, we do, but uh, we, we don't have that type of a scenario. Uh, we, I think about uh, uh, First Baptist Church in Hammond when Dr. Hiles moved to Chicago uh, from Texas. Uh, the, uh, uh, the rich that were in the church, they started saying, we don't want these bus kids from Chicago coming into our church and messing up our buildings. And they said, if you keep bringing them in, we are pulling out and we will not give. And they did. They used those, their dollars to try to control the church. Now, praise the Lord. God knows how to take care of his church. And it, it moved on, uh, but, but it became a tool. Uh, inheritances, legacy gifts, uh, sometimes are controlled uh, and not just given their, their stipulations and how that, uh, they want that to continue to be uh, used. So uh, a giver's controlling spirit can cause them to give or not to give the way the Lord would want them to give. Uh, so just making sure that biblical priorities are followed and we're following uh, the leading of the Spirit of God in our life. Uh, so number three, uh, they have a desire to give high quality. Because a giver understands value, they want to give valuable things or high quality things. With that... That can be a blessing, but it can also be a curse. If you give, and this is on the flip side, somebody whose resources are minimal and you get them something that is completely out of the spectrum of reality for them, then it could cause them, instead of being blessed by a need, being filled, it could create a desire for them to where they are now discontented with what God has provided. If somebody has a Hagar suit or a J.C. Penney suit or a clothing from Goodwill that they are completely happy with, and then you take them down and and you get them a custom fit, I don't even know what shirt or what uh, suit to use there, uh, uh, Hickey Freeman suit, uh, or you go down, I was down in uh, uh, Sacramento one day, we were between uh, meetings at uh, the Capitol, and Brother Jordan was with me, and so we started walking down the street, and as we walked down the street to get something to eat, uh, there was a tailor that was there, uh, just a little tailor shop, uh, suit shop. So we thought, okay, well, let's run in and look at some suits. And we walked in, and it wasn't suits. It was just material and tables 
and guys walking around with tapes around their neck. And I had never been in a shop like that. And so he walks in and he starts talking to me and uh, asks about what I do. And I told him I was a pastor. And he says, oh, I take care of all the pastors here in Sacramento. uh, And I make their suits for them. I said, you make their suits. And he says, oh, yeah. And he runs over and grabs a bolt of material, throws it on the the counter. And uh, he starts telling me all this stuff about thread count. I have no idea what he's talking about. And uh, he's throwing all these numbers out. And the average, I said, well, what would would just an average, well, it depends on custom and this. I said, well, what what would just be an average suit? He says, you know, we start right around $3,500 a suit. He says, but, but you don't just need the suit, you need the shirt. And I said, okay, well, what does a, a shirt cost? He says, well, you have to buy four of them at a time, and they start at $400 a piece. <laughs> now, man, I'm, I'm okay with Amazon. But somebody that gets a taste for something like that, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that if you have that kind of resource. But you give something like that to somebody that doesn't have it, and all of a sudden, they feel like they've missed out on life. And so the giver has to be careful that they don't hurt people with their gift. Because it could put an appetite there that could be destructive to that individual as opposed to being a help. And so they have that desire to give a high quality, but it might come back and be a problem instead of a blessing. Uh, So uh, it could force their higher living standards on somebody else. Uh, Number four, uh, they they have a hope. uh, They hope their gift answers a prayer. The giver, they want their gift to be the answer of a prayer. Because their desire is, is to give, and they, they desire to walk with the Lord so he can impress them to give, and when he impresses them to give, their hope is that that would just be an answer to that person's prayer. Now, not having been told that there was a need from anybody but God. Uh, so a giver who's walking with the Lord wants to be prompted to meet those needs uh, by the Lord, and that that ultimate confirmation is when later they hear that that was an answer to prayer, that somebody was praying about it and God led them to be the need filler for that. And so uh, that, that is their hope, that their gift answers the prayer. On the flip side, they can feel guilty about their personal assets. Because they have been blessed, If they are not using those gifts to please the Lord, then they could start feeling guilty about it. Guilt always brings bad decisions. And so with that then, that guilt can cause them to now start funding things that the Lord would not want funded because they feel guilty that they have what they have. Now, If God has blessed you, that is is nothing to feel guilty about. It is an opportunity to be able to be a blessing. 
And so uh, that, is, that is that flip side. Uh, number five, and I'm hastening because I'm looking at that clock back there. Uh, they have a desire to give secretly. The, the giver desires the Lord to be the one that's telling them what to give. And they don't need that, that personal gratification of that person knowing who, who gave to them or who met that need because they understand that the Lord is watching and they are giving for that. Now, that doesn't mean that every gift has to be anonymous. But, but with that, sometimes we need to give those anonymous gifts. And so uh, they have a desire to give secretly. Matthew 6, 1 to 4. For time's sake, we're not going to go there. Uh, you can go back to that later. Uh, but in verse 3, he said, But when thou doest thy alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. And that's where that principle of, uh, of giving. We don't want to give just because we're trying to be pr get praise of man. All right? Now, that doesn't mean that you can't give and somebody know about it. Uh, but if the motivation is that we are just trying to get praise, that's where that, that comes in. Uh, so, uh, so with that there, they desire to give secretly. Uh, the flip side is they can reject pressure or, or uh, immediate needs. Um, so they reject uh, pressure appeals. So sometimes there are urgent needs that could be met by somebody that had the resources, but because they felt some pressure on a gift, they withhold. Now, there, there is a fine line there because sometimes those urgent needs, they're urgent and they need to be filled. And so just because there's something presented and there is an urgent need presented, that doesn't mean that you should back off. It doesn't mean that you should give to every urgent need. But, but with that, uh, sometimes because if there is any pressure, they will back off and that, is, that becomes that natural response and that could put them in the place of determining where, what gifts get filled and which ones don't instead of just uh, following the Lord there. Uh, so uh, so that, is, that is a, uh, a liability there. Uh, number six, there's a concern that giving will corrupt. Concern that giving will corrupt. And a mature, under, uh, mature believer, uh, a, tr a mature giver understands uh, the destructiveness of the love of money. And with that, that a gift, it, it could uh, corrupt people. So they're, they're very aware of the principles that God has given them to be able to, to earn, to save, to accumulate. And if, if they... Um, if they see somebody else, they might be afraid that those people do not have those same principles and they're afraid that it would corrupt them. And so 
There, there's, wis, there's wisdom in that. Uh, we definitely don't want to hurt somebody with a gift. You know, you give, you give somebody resources that they have absolutely no ability on how to manage that, it could be very destructive. So, uh, so they have that concern that giving will corrupt. Uh, on the other side, uh, they give too sparingly, have a tendency to give too sparingly to fam- family. The frugality of the, of the giver sometimes will cause them to be very generous with those that are outside their family and very stingy within the family. And it is, it is a tendency that is there. Uh, so generous to those outside, uh, get, they'll give generously to strangers uh, and those to not of the family, uh, but it would not be given generously uh, to the family. So uh, the family should be the greatest beneficiaries of the resources uh, and generosity. Uh, but sometimes that is not the case. There is that, uh, that uh, uh, because they are trying to keep back everything so they can give, sometimes they don't give to the, the people that would, would matter the most. So they give too sparingly to family. Uh, so uh, family should be the, the greatest beneficiaries. You look at legacy giving. That is biblical. Uh, Proverbs 13 and verse 22, the Bible says, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Uh, and so you look at that and you see generational uh, wealth. You see generational uh, blessings. I think about Abraham. Well, you have the great wealth that Abraham had, but who was, who was the beneficiaries? First, you have Lot. Lot, was Lot a perfect person? Not close. But he benefited from the, from the assets of Abraham. Then you look at uh, Isaac, look at Jacob, uh, and across the board, you look at King David, you look at Solomon, great resources, uh, and yet they were used genera- uh, generationally. I was doing some research on uh, the different ways of, uh, of having generational wealth, and I, uh, we'll have to use this for another time. Uh, but, but with that, uh, you look at uh, some of the greatest uh, uh, wealthiest families in our country, uh, there's two families that come up historically. It's the Vanderbilts and it's the Rockefellers. The two wealthiest in the 1800s. And when you look at those, those families and how those resources were treated, completely different. So the Vanderbilt dynasty and all of the the resources are almost completely depleted. Some of the Vanderbilts were completely destitute and broke. Then you had the Rockefellers who during the same time had about the same wealth about 600 million in the 1800s. Can you imagine? 
And the Vander or the the uh, Rockefellers, that six hundred million is now worth eight point four billion. And that is after supporting generations of heirs. Currently, right now, that 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 uh, that trust funds seventy heirs and their families. And yet, it keeps on growing. What, it, what is it? There is that generational wealth. Now, with that, rich people know how to build wealth. And others just know how to spend it. You know, when we look at biblical example... I don't think that my grandkids should be in the same spot that I'm in. I don't think my kids should be at the same spot. It should continue to get better. I'm not talking about just being filthy rich. I am just talking about learning how to use resources for God's glory. So uh, you see that legacy giving uh, as an opportunity there. Uh, Number seven, they exercise personal thriftiness. Uh, and that gives them the ability uh, to, to save and to have resources because they're consistently uh, frugal. A giver will always be concerned about what they save, not by what they have left. They, they will go out of their way to save. And, and it's, a, it's a different mindset. Uh, on the other side, uh, they will exercise personal thriftiness. On the other side, they will give to projects first people. If a giver loses their focus on the meeting of needs of people, they may be unduly attracted to pet projects. And it's no longer about, about that giving to people. It could just be about their own. Uh, his desire to measure value will prompt him to build uh, a memorial of his generosity. So even if a name is not tied to it, uh, in their own mind, they have created this memorial to themselves. And so the emphasis of scriptural giving uh, and distributing to the necessity of the saints helps keep that focused on people, not just on a project. Number eight, you, they use their gifts to multiply giving. The, uh, the givers, oftentimes, how many of you ever heard of somebody that uh, they were doing a fundraiser and they had matching, a matching giver? All right. What is that? Uh, that is the desire of the giver to encourage giving by other people, participation. So, so they will want to encourage other people to give. And so sometimes they will use their gift as a encouragement to get other people to be involved. Why? Uh, Just so the number goes up? No, it's because they know what joy they get from giving. And they want other people to experience that same same joy and fulfillment. Uh, So they use their gifts to multiply. Uh, On the other side, they can cause people to look to them instead of God. The, uh, The... the people that have resources, they don't want to be the one 
that people are always coming to because they have a burden. Their generosity should not make them a target. You know, sometimes, sometimes generous people, the givers, will get taken advantage of because people know who they, they know that they're generous. And and with that being the case, they certain people will begin to just share prayer requests about needs that they have. Be mindful of that. If you see that in somebody, address it. Because that's not helpful. It's not helpful. Now, I'm not saying we can't share needs. That's part of what we do. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we aren't, we aren't trying to, and, and we don't have this problem. But I have seen it in the past where somebody was a, was a financially blessed individual would just have the same people keep coming to them asking for things and sharing needs that they had and prayer requests. And, and it just became obvious that they were just trying to, to take from them. Uh, so uh, with that, there's some liability. Number nine, lastly, um, they need to confirm the amount with counsel. As they are giving, givers understand the need for accountability. Now, with that, if it's, if it's a couple, the couple need to be in agreement on the giving. They need to be in agreement. And with that, there should be some veto power that's given by the other individual. Uh, the giver uh, responds to appeals, but it also needs to be confirmed by the other spouse. If if there isn't a spouse, then there needs to be another godly counselor that they have that they can run by on areas. I'm not talking about, you know, giving 100 bucks. I'm talking about uh, large, large donations or gifts or inheritance, inheritances and endowments. Uh, get counsel. Uh, it, is, it is important. And... So uh, they need to confirm that amount with counsel. And then on the other side, sometimes they will wait too long to give. They'll wait too long to give. And in doing so, they, they could miss an opportunity to, to meet a need that somebody had. If the Spirit of God impresses on you to give, don't miss that opportunity. There have been times where the Lord has impressed on my heart to give to somebody and I did not have money in my wallet to give. And I did not take the time to go get it. I got busy doing something else and forgot about it till later, realizing that it was too late at that point. So, so with that, maybe... There is some resources that you put in your wallet or in your purse, and that's just there 
just in case the Lord impresses you to give that amount. So if somebody has a need and the Lord works on your heart and impresses you to do something about it, do you have the resource to be able to do so? And that can be $5. And that's not your coffee money. That is your giveaway money. It could be $10. could be $100. Whatever that is. But, but just something to say, Lord, if you, had, if you impressed me to give, uh, I don't want to miss those opportunities. And so uh, this is the giver. Some of these notes I had to cut out just for time's sake. Uh, and so, Lord, thank you for your goodness. Uh, thank you for our people. I pray that you would help us as we endeavor to serve you and use our gifts for your glory, uh, that you would lead us and guide us. Help us to have a good night. Uh, give us safety as we travel home, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you. Have a good evening.